Hello, I'm Karina Givargazov, the founder of Mission Magazine. I normally do these podcasts with my friend, my co-host Charlene Spiteri, who's the singer and songwriter from the UK band Texas. She's currently wrapping up a new album, which I can't wait to hear. Well, hear the whole of it. I actually had a sneak preview not that long ago, and it's really, really good. So that's something optimistic to look forward to. Our next guest I discovered happens to be my neighbour in Manhattan, which is a lovely surprise. He is someone who has dedicated his life to teaching and is also the co-founder of GAG, Gays Against Guns. Next, I speak to John Grala. Here's one piece of news he told me, which I actually was quite stunned about. You guys might know this fact already, but FedEx offered a 26% discount to card carrier NRA members who shipped guns with the parcel carrier. The NRA stands for the National Rifle Association, which is a guns organization in America. So please do listen and hear how John and his team are making a stand to try and combat guns and how they go about making change. Some of it is quite unorthodox in their approach, which is obviously very mission, which we love. If we can stop the senseless use of guns in any shape or form, I think that's a win, don't you? Thank you for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm so happy to actually speak to you. It's been um, we've been in communication for a while. We have, I know, and it's and, and um, I am happy to to sit down and, and and chat with you as well. Like I think we've had, you know, it's been a great rapport uh, yeah. via email, and um, I was really, really, really pleased with the um, the article in uh, the most recent edition of Mag- Mission Magazine. And so I I'm really honored and happy to sort of continue this conversation. So thank you for reaching out to me. No, of course. And do you know, that's what we want to try and do more with the podcast, like just to bring more of a 360 roundabout with whoever's in the magazine, because we have different people that read it, that listen to podcasts, that look at our Instagram. And I think when um, we discovered your organization two years ago, I had no idea it existed. I got such an education. Oh, how did you discover? Do you know who it was? It was, I think it was a really lovely young intern that was with us. And we were work, we started to work on the youth series, the youth issue. And I always, we always try and put in each issue LGBT, um, environment, sustainability, a little bit political stuff, but positive. And she came across your organization. Wow. And I think she's, she was part of the LGBT community mm-hmm. and, and kind of perhaps knew about you guys already. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, what an, in- what an incredible organization that you've put together. And I just, you know, when I spoke to Juno, who did the interview, I just found it so just such an insight into how guns are in America Mm. and the fight you have your organization and what you're achieving and pushing through and I just want to say that we're doing this podcast but we always want to support things you're doing things that we find of interest that are in the magazine so you've always got our support oh thank you in whatever you do because I think it's important and for me as the founder of this I we never want to just do something on someone or an organization and then move on and forget about it. You know, we've seen such a change in America in the last couple of years, especially this year. Gays Against Guns is needed absolutely more than ever now. And I, I wanted just to speak to you about, you know, overall how you got involved and what's driving you and what your mission is. And I know that you had said that before that the Pulse shooting changed your life, which yeah. 
I can imagine that was probably something so traumatic to, to see and, and very upsetting. So I guess you, you and your, you, you had a close group of friends that decided to, to build this. And I wanted just for our listeners to understand how that got started, how the name came about. Sure, sure. Well, I just want to address a couple of things that you mentioned, then I can talk about the, uh, yes. the, the, the history. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much. That, that means a lot to us knowing that I believe that you are you're in the UK, right? Is that is that true? I am I am right now. You I were just in the came States back. for a while and then now you're back in the UK. Yeah. Well this is this is an American publication. It comes out in New York City. Um but when oh, I didn't realize Yeah yeah it comes out the East Village. It's out of my apartment, all of this with our amazing team and but we have writers all over the place and photographers all over the place. But during the pandemic I have an elderly parent that needs my support. So, oh, so I that's been, when you went home. Okay. So I yeah. went I, I kind of chucked hard drives and stuff in a case and left within 24 hours straight back to the UK just to have support for, for my father. Ah, okay. I, I thought that you were sort of a European organization. So East Village, I actually live in East Village. I live on 6th between A and B. What a, what a coincidence. Uh, I'm 3rd and C. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Wow. wow. Incredible. We, we probably have like passed each other in key food or at least on Avenue A at, at <laughs> yes. or something. <laughs> Oh my god! So then, do you go to that incredible? What's the club on Third and Avenue C? Um, oh, oh, Bedlam! Gosh. Bedlam! I used to work at but Bedlam. My friends owned Bedlam. I was uh, I did I bartended there and also did co check when it first opened. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I <laughs> went there a few times ages ago, and then I launched Mission and I don't have a life. But when I've been passed <laughs> to go to Key Foods at like maybe eight in the morning on a Sunday, I've seen people outside Bedlam either yeah. going in or coming out. And I've just like, wow, hats off to them. Partying yes. Yeah. No, all it, through the night. It's a good, it's a good place. A good place. Quiet now, but you know, it, it was fun. Uh, so um, yeah. So just so all that, this is really, really uh, a, a small world and nice coincidence. Yes. So yeah. So thank you for that. It, it means a lot to me and to the group to know that we're being recognized and, the, and that a, you know, a young queer intern discovered us. I mean, that is also no um, knows about us. Like that is great for us to to hear, for me to hear in particular, because it means that the message is getting out. Um, yes, and course. so that's the most important thing for us to draw attention to gun violence for people to think about where the country is currently and what other a they can do um they get their many things to do and b sort of what are everyday people like myself doing to uh to end the this crisis but in terms of the um the history of gag and how uh i got involved as an organizer a couple of things sort of led up to that so i'm also a school teacher and December 14th, 2012, you know, yeah. Sandy, the Sandy Hook shooting really in Newtown, Connecticut as a teacher, it, it brought me to my knees. Mm-hmm. The fact that 20 children, kindergartens in particular were gunned down was, was devastating to me. Prior to that, like I had witnessed what the two years, actually, actually it was three years prior to that, a group of kids engaged in conflict in the East Village and where one shot, um, I saw a kid shoot another kid point blank in the chest and I was the person who called 911 um, and waited for the police and the ambulance mm-hmm. to arrive and then I had to go downtown 
two weeks later and would give even more details uh, in preparation for a court case. And then when I was 18, I just moved to the city when I was 18, mm-hmm. I saw a mugging and a woman was, was bleeding at the mouth and this young kid was running with her purse and I, he was young, I was 18, he was about like 14 and I thought I can... Wow. I can catch up to this kid. I, you know, um, so I ran after him. It was on 17th and 7th where old Barney's used to be. And uh, I was catching him, nearing him. And uh, he ducked into a cab and he had a backpack and and he fumbled in his backpack. And then he came out the other side and he came up to me and he pointed his gun at me and said, I'll, you know, I'll bleeping kill you. And, um, and I, you know, I was stunned. Uh, and so gun violence, you know, has um, been in, in my life um, one way or another for a very long time. And then on um, June 17th, 2015, in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine black Americans were killed by a white supremacist, that, as a person of color, my faith in humanity was lost. And then Pulse happened during June. So as you know, uh, someone lives in New York, that um, June is a joyous month for uh, Pride. It's the um, the celebration that month. New York City and the queer community in particular, you know, we are, we we own our power and and we feel, uh, you know, allies celebrate us. And uh, and so it is, it's a, historically, a a really sort of uh, an empowering and uplifting month. But the the shooting at Pulse nightclub in Orlando on the 12th of that year, it just, it, I, something shifted in me. I, it, yes. I went yeah. from sorrow, a lack of, a lack of faith in, in, in the country, in the world. And I just got really angry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a friend of mine, Kevin uh, Herzog, you know, another sort of uh, organizer, founding member, there are several founding members Posted on Facebook, let's come together, meet, let's be at the community center, and let's talk about this. Because there was a lot of a lot of outrage, you know, we were we were angry, you know, we still are, um, mm-hmm. and uh, heartbroken. You know, at the time, I just should just back up a little bit. At the time, uh, when the um, shooting happened at Pulse, I was at a nightclub myself uh, in wow. Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and I checked. My, so I had a backpack with me. I'd been out all day and met friends, you know, sort of a summer, you know, pre summer night and uh, weekend night. And I was just sort of out and about with friends. And I just checked my bag and my phone was in my bag. And just, you know, having a night, having a night. And I um, was leaving. And I remember as I was leaving, there was like a, it was around like 3 a.m. And I remember just like there was a group just outside, just People were just like, I didn't know what was going on. There was like this big kerfuffle and, and people started, I, God, I can't believe this. And so I, you know, I pulled out my phone and there was like, my phone had blown up. There were like 20 different messages, you know. Gosh. And so then on the subway home, I sort of read, read about all this. And I was just, again, just like in complete disbelief. And and when Kevin posted this meeting, I was like, I thought to myself, yes, I am definitely going to be there because mm-hmm. this has got to come to an end because mm-hmm. um it had come knocking on our door gun yes. violence and so it had you know so as a gay man it has affected me as a teacher gun violence has affected me as a person of color 
it's also affected me. And so just, I felt like there was just no other opportunity, but to, no, not sorry, no other, other option, but to, but to really sort of find a way to, to combat this. And so uh, gag became an opportunity for that. And also I do come from a history of activism when I was 18, 19 and new to the East Village and newly out that time in 1989, AIDS was, was rampant and people were, yes. were, were dying um, left and right. And, uh, and I found out about this group called ACT UP and I started going to the meetings and started going to, to actions and immersing myself in, in activism at a very early age, in particular needle exchange helping the the community who's addicted to IV drugs, uh, helping them as best as I could by distributing bleach kits to them as a way of harm reduction, and then and going to actions. So, you know, so my, my teen years in New York City, New York City, new to New York at that time, I was either at an action, you know, dance club, sleeping or working. <laughs> that was my, my <laughs> schedule. <laughs> Nightlife and actions and, and work. <laughs> Very little sleep, actually. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, so on. You know, so Pride, the Pride March, you know, Pride March came, and uh, that meeting was was quite something. I didn't know how many people were going to show up. I knew I would be there, uh, and Kevin would be there, probably others. But um, and Kevin reserved a room, a small room, at the LGBTQ Center on West Thirteenth Street, and I. You know, I got there at like seven, ten, and already it was at capacity, and just sort of squeezed wow. myself in. Like I think 120 people showed up for a room that that seats 70 people, and and I recognized faces from ACT UP, and there were new faces, and there were actually mm-hmm. people just I'd known, you know, circles with uh, sort of within circles, sort of overlapping, and I just felt that this this was it. Like this now was the time. For this to happen, for the community to to emerge, we had you know post Stonewall, post marriage equality. That now there was something, an additional layer for the movement to to fight and to address, and that it really was its own. It, while it was as much about queer people, and by that I mean LGBTQ AI people, it was really about all of us and so while we were definitely and still continue to fight in in protection of queer lives we also recognize that that women are at risk but people of color are at risk that those who suffer from mental health illness are at risk and so that this was like a a wider wider lens um, for the group and so a couple of weeks later two weeks later the March, um, Pride March uh, happened, and we, you know, as as a new group, didn't really like, you know, it was actually too late because you have to um, reserve a space in the Pride March early on. But uh, but Corey Johnson, then who was a council member, he said, "Look, you can take my my spot." And his oh uh, wow, yeah, it was pretty amazing. You know, that was really great real estate for us. So that meant that we were actually at the front of the march and uh and so we were all taking you know kevin um and brian uh worth led the meeting and and you know there were certain needs and and kevin said i need you know we need someone to do the messaging and to organize this march and i just threw my hands up and i said i'll do it and uh 
and so that was really sort of the beginning. And then, the, and you know, the three of us worked really closely. Kevin, myself, Ryan um, worked closely together, and and others. And you know, Jay was there, and um, Kathy, and Ken Kidd, and, and Tim. Like a lot of like veteran activists. Like we all just came together, and we we were just we were tirelessly, and we just we we pulled it off. And in terms of like the uh, representation that day, it was pretty pretty interesting. So we had two two modes of representation. One was uh, and always. We call them gaggers, activists who are screaming and chanting. But then we also have human beings. And those are veiled figures in white who are silent and who hold a placard representing a life lost to gun violence. And that particular mode of activism and representation came to us at that meeting by Tigger Ferguson, who is an activist, a uh, burlesque superstar and he um an artist performance artist he'd been thinking he had been thinking a lot about how to honor the 49 lives lost at pulse and so he came to me because he saw he knew kevin followed kevin on facebook and asked he said well look i have this idea as a way to honor the lives lost and here's what it will look like seven rows of seven everyone in white that's sort of dressed in like very sort of in their finest white as a tribute to the lives lost holding a placard you know, is there any way for for me to be a part of the of of the group that day you march down fifth avenue and of course we you know we were when he described the representation to us the presentation rather there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Mm. It's just, such a powerful image. It really, really... Very, very moving. It really, I mean, you. it just, it really made me, it got my attention. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, it, and it got the attention that day, you know, like 800 plus people marched with us and they were holding our banner. Gilbert Baker, who actually, who sewed the original rainbow flag in 1970. And uh, he... He created our banner. He brought to us at the next organizational meeting, he brought to us the next free pride march. He brought this banner as a gift, and it was one of the last banners that, that he sewed. And, uh, and so like everyone just really came out of, out of the woodwork. And like the activists, the queer activist community showed up like, in, in, in spades and, and, and just really helped you know lift the group it, it was a truly a, a a a community effort you know i i sort of recognize as one of the founders and you know i did help a lot <laughs> uh many hours and 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 kevin and brian and others you know sort of lifting this thing but i i do see it as as shared and that there are you know you always need people who are going to organize you need organizers and and people contribute and you you know you you find ways for them to contribute and, and places that make sense for their 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 skill set and so you know that's that's been my job and uh the work um as well as being in the streets because i like to be in the streets too and shout my head off and call the nra yeah <laughs> no absolutely well it sounds like you had all these people that would like yourself were trying to help and do something but didn't know how to yeah and then you created gag and and that seemed to be well okay well this is a an organization we can get active 
we can get behind and get involved in. Yes. Which I think is just remarkable. One thing I, I, I really enjoyed when we were, when I was reading the piece and then also just researching the organization is that just from shouting out and being active and being present, what you did for uh, to the NRA, anyone European that's listening is the National Rifle Association in America, was your FedEx coup, I think is just incredible. I love I loved reading that. Oh yes, so was that the the takedown at FedEx because um, yes. they would not right. Okay, yes. Yeah. So after the Parkland shooting February 14th, 2018, a lot of that the energy and the response that that tragedy brought about was was so powerful and that the the group within that Ed Gonzalez, David, you know, um at Al like they they did phenomenal work and in response, they started really holding, you have to follow the money and you have to follow the, yes. the supports. And we did a, an attack of the Business Alliance at the National Rifle Association. That was a, another campaign we had sort of really at the beginning of the winter of 2016. And we called out FedEx and Hurt and Wyndham for partnering with the NRA's Business Alliance and recognizing that that was just problematic. And but then when Parkland happened and the sort of response, the national response to that and the emergence of like a very organized, savvy, smart group of, of young gun violence prevention activists emerged and were calling out the NRA, those people who were support the NRA, the business, their business alliances. And then oops, that for us was like, oh, thank this is fantastic. So happy, so proud of the work that they did. And, and, and we felt like, you know, this is great. People are sort of listening. People are seeing this. Um, that was a very important campaign for us. And whether they saw us or not, we, we obviously, you know, it, it made sense to us because I think that's what we have to do. Look at the, the economic infrastructure sort of and dismantle it. Um, and also the political infrastructure and dismantle it as a way of, of, of arriving at sort of a safer, safer gun laws and a safer country. But during, for us, we, we were so upset because everyone started, like all the companies started like, cutting ties with, with the NRA. And in, in meetings and, and emails, we would talk like any day FedEx is going to do it. And they, they did not. And so we were, we were floored and we took it. We said, okay, so now we have to go after FedEx. And there was um, FedEx kept, there were sort of all of these uh, statements that they released you know, that we don't uh, support gun violence. Um, you know, we are, we are saddened by the tragedy, et cetera, et cetera. We, but we see this as a professional relationship and we called BS on that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so we decided to do with other chapters or other GAC chapters of the 29th, because that was the percentage that you were discounted. FedEx gave a 29% discount for shipping a gun basically shipping death. And we decided to set up shop in front of various FedExes in various cities and just do, you know, just like your old fashioned, you know, picketing, uh, protesting, handing out as people were entering FedEx, we were handing information about their ties to the NRA. And so and we did this for, for a couple of months. We also sort of developed like a little tune, you know, you better drop 
FedEx, you know, so um, like a little sort of jazzy tune, which I'm now forgetting. But uh, we, we turned into a party. We had human beings in front of veiled figures in white holding placards, lives lost. And we had them in front of the entranceway to uh, this FedEx stores. Uh, and so just people, you know, really had to uh, connect the dots. I had no idea that they did that. So when I read about this, that you guys had done this, I was like, I found it shocking that FedEx, anyone that's, and to our listeners, anyone that's carrying an NRA membership card, they get 29% discount, yeah. which is disgraceful. Yep, it is. It is. Absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. And it's not public knowledge. Well, it is now, thanks to you guys. But it wasn't. I didn't. I was not aware of this at all, and I was. I was floored. No, people are, and that's 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 the work too. It's like you really have to educate the public. I mean, activism is about many things, but first and foremost, it's about really educating the public about these these injustices, these these um, sort of insidious uh, sort of features or aspects or sort of broken policies. Um, uh, agreements really sort of dangerous agreements like this is like the work and uh so so yeah so we did that and there was also another uh, another group who was doing this too guns down and they they did their work via so again they got the message out as well so between and i think and other groups other gpp groups are doing this too putting pressure on fedex so again between like the you know our work and other gpp um groups of their work we were successful in Forcing FedEx to cut ties with the NRA. Oh, there was another action we did. We actually went to the NRA as well, and we uh, we sort of we did a a mock a mock tribute to like all the companies that like had not to them all the companies that had cut ties with them. And so we just sort of flat, we recreated the uh, branding logo for each company and um, yeah, sang it to a song. You know, so um. <laughs> So we used lots of different strategy to to get the the um, the message out, and 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 it worked. It was a win for us. Yeah, is this where your NRA sachet away comes into play? Because I love that slogan. Oh my gosh, no! Well, no, that came actually before, and that was a friend of Kevin's, Billy Beyond, an artist, a great creative, um, sort of many fields, who was. I think just he and Kevin were, you know, sort of having a, a back and forth. And he said, he's like, you know, NRA just needs to sashay away, you know, parodying RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and we thought that was brilliant. And he made a sign as well, NRA sashay away. Um, and we just were like, yes. And so, like, again, there was like another example of like how the community was responding and, you know, the group like recognized like, yes, that is your contribution. That makes sense. That becomes a part of the work we do, and and it just like just really kind of like blew up, you know. Every time people like see us, like NRA sashay away, you know, they it, it was really catchy and fun, and uh, and it just and it coincided with the culture, right? Yeah. It's like the culture yeah. that's we're speaking the culture's language right now. What do you think's been your most memorable experience with gag? Like, what are you most proud of? Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay. Or there loads. Yeah. Well, I am. Definitely proud of, of pulling off the first Pride March. Um, that was great. But I'm also proud of our Washington visits, going to, going to D.C. and going to – in fact, on the day of, of Parkland, we, we were actually in D.C. because it was our second annual visit to the Senate Heart Building where we brought human beings. We visited 
NRA puppet offices meeting like senators who support the NRA and we read a list of demands and uh Cruz was one of them in Florida and we so that was that first action DC action was really powerful for me I think we put that image in the magazine it's um with that enormous long uh rainbow flag Oh, no, that was a different one. That was the um, Supreme Court. That was a different action. The other, but the one I'm thinking about was just a really, it was, there was very little fanfare. We didn't bring out the the big um, flag, the big banner, rather. Instead, it was just a small group of us who went into the Hart building and read these demands. We were more or less, you know, ushered out, but... But those folks who, um, you know, many of us were not intimidated by by the the staff in in respective offices, and just and we we stayed there until they heard our full demands. And the part two of that action, actually, then outside in front of the Hart Building, we had a background checks works banner, and we were we had human beings outside as well as gaggers, and. That what happened actually the day before we arrived was that there was another shooting, another mass mm-hmm. shooting, and so the timing for us was was strange. This is the first action, and the it culminated in a civil disobedience um, action where we went to the atrium. There's about like six of us, and we just started chanting and screaming our our heads off that gun violence was a crisis and how many more had to die that we were calling out senators as well and just real and then we did a die-in in the atrium by that like huge like calder sculpture and then we were arrested we were arrested but there was a really interesting moment when during that civil disobedience uh component of the action where we just saw that everyone was coming out of their offices and peering down and some had their phones out and so and were like really curious like what is happening here what's going on and a couple of human beings like people had, were able to um sneak in through the uh the check-in <laughs> and then get dressed in hb garb and so you could just like it was a really dynamic moment of folks wanting to know who we were what's going on about guns like who are they calling out mm-hmm. you know so that was a really Powerful moment, moment. Another moment I'll never forget uh, is the uh, the BlackRock going after BlackRock and demanding that they divest from gun stocks and going in again to the atrium of BlackRock and causing a, a you know a ruckus and calling people out and um, then going outside of BlackRock and lying on the sidewalk and our another gagger sort of drew our bodies, sort of outline our bodies, sort of dead bodies. And that was actually in response to that day, we actually had popcorn, little parts of the stagecraft involved, like popcorn containers, because that was the anniversary of Aurora, the shooting of the movie theater. And so we just wanted to remind BlackRock on the anniversary of Aurora, look, your agreements with Smith & Wesson, other gun stocks, like, although these are ETFs, I think referred to that. They, you know, you're not implicitly supporting this, but you are complicit, BlackRock, in this. Like you are sort of part of the, the relationship, financial relationship, and that here is the legacy of your work, Aurora. You know, 
So we, so that was an, like another great, it's a powerful action. And then there, and then the uh, response to Vegas as well, where we marched from Union mm-hmm. Square all the way to Times Square throughout New York, carrying our banner and, and chanting, um, and then having a rally uh, in response to um, the Vegas shooting. That was that was a, another another powerful. So, so there are lots of memories I have about the work we've done, but those three really, really stand out. That sounds like there'd be a big adrenaline rush. Oh. Because you're also a bit scared that, oh, we're going into a, like an official governmental building or corporate offices. And that must drive you guys. I'd, I'd find that very exhilarating to try and just get through and get, get your message across to those companies. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's it, it's a hoot. I mean, there's um, <laughs> a hoot. If you're, you know, if that is, civil obedience is something that you feel comfortable with, you know, it, 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 the energy is, it's palpable and it just, you look around and, you know, there's, you know, your, your, your buddies are there and they're chanting loudly, you're chanting loudly, you know, you sort of like feel invincible in that moment you recognize because there's also sort of people who are looking at you and you recognize your power in in that moment and and also the urgency just you know i find like whenever you know my heart is always out in the streets and i just whether i I'm witnessing there have been so many demonstrations protests in response to the murders of black bodies and i haven't been to to all of them, of course, but it's many of them. And just when I, even when I see one, you know, as I'm biking through town and I see a gathering at Union Square, I just like, I, I, my heartbeat increases, it gets faster because I know the power of that. It, it just, it resonates with me. And it resonates with people too. People start talking about it and that's what you want. You know, so we were, again, at the BlackRock action, people are coming out uh, coming down to the to the lobby and just like what is going on and we were calling people out and and so then they take that back to the office and they think about it right yes, they think yeah. about it and well a lot of this is to do with education being educated about how guns affect people's lives and you said this earlier not just in the gay community and the, the LGBTQIA plus community but also Black Lives Matter uh, just I I was. I was actually in New York last week. I came back for a few weeks for business and read in the press about that couple, Mark and Patricia McClowski, yeah. who pointed guns at Black Lives Matter protesters. And then following week, they're given a speech at the Republican convention. I know. It's just, it's absolutely outrageous. They're, they're celebrating, they're, they're, they're poisons like heroes and almost yeah. martyrs. So, uh, no, it's, it is, is that is, is heinous. And, and that's the current reality of the, um, of of the nation if there are two distinct positions right now and and types of and, and groups of people um attitudes towards it's either you are in support of black liberation recognizing the 400 plus years of oppression institutionalized at, at every level um and recognizing that you know within the, the, the past, you know, Rodney King, right, that, there, that the abuse of power on black bodies is disproportionate, outrageous, targeted, and again, sort of another hangover uh, from slavery, that these are attitudes that, and so then, so watching that, because I, I did sort of watch the um, RNC convention, not because like, 
I, you know, <laughs> I enjoy being outraged and stuff. But I was curious to see like how this is going to happen and the way in which they were peddling fear and the implicit message was that black people, they showed the woman of uh, the picture of the young woman sort of who was leading the march. And just, it was like, not subtle, like you need to be afraid of black people. Black people are going to sabotage your uh, threat or threat to your safety and threat to your American freedoms, carrying guns. You know, that, that side believes that guns equal freedom and that's, you know the, the the lies are told too. That like the disinformation is shocking. It, oh, it's incredible. It, it's like it's not that that the the protesters came marching to their their house specifically and and targeted them, right? That that was not the case at all, you know. But uh, but this is you know some people you know it's really it's red meat for uh, uh Trump's base, gun loving white supremacist base. And so in some ways I was, I was shocked, but then again, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. And one hand, the RNC, like every other person's coming out is black because they're carted out to show telegraph to, you know, the world. But see, because we have a black person here speaking, of course we have, you know, our politics are right. Of course we support Black Lives Matter, but then again, the next—it's quite transparent, really, isn't it? Yeah, it was laughable. I have to say, laughable. Like it was an insult to like you know anyone's intelligence to think that that party, a particular flank of a plank party, part of the party is is not racist. um, That is (laughs) from different points of view and actually is in support of black liberation. That 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 is like that was. That was an insult. Have you found that this year with everything going on that you kind of had to rethink strategy with gag and and how you can amplify the message and to try and really enforce change? Because there's so, and especially coming up to the elections, uh, what do you guys plan? Are you planning to do anything around the election time or to encourage people to get out more to vote? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question and, uh, and a very real one for us. Mm. So after the election 2016, we've been, in short, we've been negotiating Trump and gun violence for the past three and three quarter years. Before the election, we had 250 people coming to our meetings and we were planning stuff. And, uh, and it was, and of course that's true because we were sort of new on the street and, and that, you know, and so of course the, the interest was, you know, was was high. After the election, resources, many of the resources, uh, went to the resistance and and fighting Trump. And and we we recognize that because Trump, his partnership with the NRA, that he was the first gun violence president. So going after him was important. But there was also all this other stuff happening, right? And, uh, and all these other mass shootings that happened under his uh, administration. Not that you know. He is entirely responsible for them. His response to them has been disgusting. So he hasn't done anything to end gun violence. So in some ways, he is responsible as the failed leader. But um, but so there was lots of work. So we've had had to negotiate. How do we stay focused on all that's happening around gun violence and also what's happening so right now, culture at large, and that is the anti-Trump movement. Most recently, as a result of the lockdown. We then had to reconfigure again. We meet every two weeks. We're the only gun violence group in the nation that actually 
meets in person. And we've been doing that for four years because it's community. And uh, although some groups like Moms Demand, I mean, they're, well, they have a bigger budget than we do. But, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you, Bloomberg, uh, every town. But, um, but they can mobilize, you know, they can just send out a tweet or an email, an SMS and like, bam, you have like, you know, a lot of people, you know, men and women in red t-shirts. And like, that is just, you know, it's awesome for us. So we need that. And we applaud them, uh, recognize their power. And, but for us, you know, we are a, we're a niche, right? And we're not polite. We are not afraid to say fuck guns and fuck you, because that is just part of, you know, that's just our ethos. That's who we are. Right. So we don't have to, we're not afraid to call out people, make the connections. Well, you can't, it's not a soft topic you're talking about. Exactly. It's it's deadly and it's serious. So you have to hit it hard, I think, however you can. Exactly. Exactly. And so we, so we meet every two weeks. So during lockdown, you know, he has to meet via Zoom. And so that was like another layer for us. Like people are Zoomed out and, and, but we had to keep going. So we have managed to do that. And we still have meetings every every two weeks. We have one next week on Zoom. We've met up for in-person actions. One is addressing sort of the cycle of, of death that happens as we're, because part of our mission involves we are against police brutality and the militarization of the police that's in our mission statement and protecting uh, people of color. That's also part of our mission in our mission statement. And so the most recent, you know, murder uh, of, of Jacob Black, like seven, um, Blake, pardon me, um, seven, shooting him seven times in the back for us was just like... Point blank as well. Point blank. Like just speechless. We were, again, just so angry and outraged. And we had an action recently last weekend talking, you know, sort of drawing attention to that and the sort of cycle of death. So that's, so we are doing that Gag members have participated in Street Riders, which is the bicycle activist group. They're like typically like 10,000 cyclists who meet every Saturday and go around the city and just draw attention to an issue. Each Saturday, there is a particular feature. And so we, you know, Black women and trans women and, and, the, and, and deaths, Black bodies, they were, that was a part of the feature of Street Riders. And so that connects to our mission so we so gag members that's a great idea i didn't know that existed yeah it's pretty fantastic it's pretty fantastic and so so a cohort of gag folks went there and so we're also recognizing right now too another part of our, our most recent campaign is the iron pipeline and the iron pipeline refers to the uh interstate uh trafficking of guns via i-95 so we're weak states that have weak gun laws that is you can just go to a gun show and buy a gun or the background checks are you know sort of you know so let's say not very thorough if they exist at all and then the gun is then brought north to either chicago or new york new york state has one of like you know has like 13 gun laws so like it's really it makes it very hard you can't sell guns in new york the way you can in the south or but gun running via the iron pipeline that is i-95 is a very profitable business really profitable and so now what we're seeing we have seen this is like the this hasn't happened in 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 
decades actually, these numbers. We've seen a thousand, there have been a thousand shootings in New York City already oh, as, as, of, as of today, the New York Times put out that number. And that last year for the entire year, there were 777 shootings. So we're poised to double the numbers uh, if, if we keep going at this rate. And so we recognize that that this is, a lot of this is owed to the Iron Pipeline. So right now we have a, a, a Destroy the Iron Pipeline campaign that we are are developing. There are some members, like affinity group members who are going out and uh, wheat pasting. This group, Queens of the Night, their affinity group within GAG, and they dress up in, they're uh, dragtivists. They dress up in drag and they go out and they post anti-gun violence messaging throughout the city because they recognize that gun violence Amazing. is a drag. So, yeah. Oh, very good. And so, so Queens of the Night, this group uh, is doing work as well. And GAG, the formal group, is doing work as well. But as far as the election, we're 501c3, so we can't say vote for Biden, but we are encouraging folks to vote. So we have banners that vote out NRA puppets, vote. And so that, so we're doing that work. And so we're spinning lots of different plates right now. Plates, yeah. I guess you have to pivot. And if you're a small grassroots like we are, you can be nimble. Yes. And, and pivot. Exactly, exactly. So one week it's this, the next week it's that. You know, so we, so that's what, that's what um, we're doing. Gosh, yeah. gosh. I think also if you really, really give a damn about something you're fighting for, you find a way to get a message through and, and to kind of change the course if, if you're forced to. Um, I found that that's how we've approached things anyway. If, if some, we've hit a brick wall, found another way to go around it. But I just, you know, just listening to you and everything you're doing, you you really inspire me, John. Just I think it's so remarkable what you're doing and it's it's so needed. It's so needed because I was, I, you're talking about New York City. I've heard that there's kind of crime is, is on the rise in New York. And I'm sure this is related to the pandemic of People just, it's just desperate times all over. Yes, yes. The, the crime, yeah. So the mayor, de Blasio, also you know, put out a statement that you know, some people had problems with as far as the increase in gun violence and crimes. But there was actually some truth to it. So right now the courts are, as a result of the lockdown, the courts aren't functioning in the way that they were able to function, have functioned historically because of the lockdown. And so there are, you know, people are not being, sort of, you know, crimes are not being sort of processed the same way. And so there is, I think, a sense of like that, you know what, that isn't happening. And so there was a sort of a, a kind of like a Wild West sort of uh, uh, atmosphere um, right now in New York that's between NYPD being sort of distributed or sort of assigned to to protest, which have, you know, for most parts are sort of have quelled some, not a lot, but some, and the lockdown and social distancing and sort of in the, in the just physical space of the courts not being able to sort of uh, operate, that's, that there is a space for, for this, you know, for, for, for crime to occur. And so I do, you know, personally, I sort of see that, I, I recognize that as being as contributing to this but i also know as well that, that this is something 
regardless, though, the other issue is that, okay, so you're out there. <laughs> what would it look like, right? So are you are you telling me, then, de Blasio, that, okay, so if the courts are functioning, blah, blah, there would be, like, you know, more people would be processed. But that just doesn't make sense to me. That says to me that there is still a problem, but you're able to put, you know, a Band-Aid on it. So instead of 777 deaths, you know, who knows how many, you know, what the numbers would have looked like last year were the courts not operating. And so isn't, sure, Mr. Duazio, that might be the case, but isn't there something deeper that we need to think about? And not only Duazio, but Cuomo as well, like the state, right? And so there are laws, there is legislation, like uh, Gun Trafficking Prohibition Act of 2019, which is like languishing. And by that, I mean, like, sort of just not even like, uh, being addressed and sort of ignored, as well as other laws that would allow, that would prevent this, or prevent gun trafficking. Um, so we, these are the demands that we have. Like we want certain legislation to be taken to the floor, voted on. Yes. And yes. Uh, so we're, you know, 2016, you know, introduced like obviously a, a wall, no pun intended, um, like sort of as far as like, you know, preventing like gun violence. Yeah, sorry, in terms of safer gun laws, but our fingers are crossed that 2020 and come June 21st, 2021, that that wall will be sort of destroyed and that there'll be uh, an opportunity for safer, safer gun laws to get written and, and passed. Yes, yeah. yeah. You just think at what point is change going to happen? Because it's got to get to, you just feel just every day you look at the newspapers, someone's been shot. Um, and it, often it's an innocent person oh, at the God. hands of someone that is in a position of power. So yes. I think it's, it looks like it's from, you know, when I read it, I just think, gosh, it's getting to such a boiling point that something has to give in, in a positive way. There has to enforce some, some change. And I think you said that in, in the interview in the magazine that the, the current database for info and gun, gun control is archaic. Yeah. Yes. And there needs to be a shift in this. And I just think, you know, is it, to anyone listening to this, you know, look up Gays Against Guns and see if they can support and help in any way at all. Because I think what you're doing, John, is just please don't ever stop. Oh. It's, we, we need you so much. Just, you know, your your energy and your drive and, and educating us on what's out there. Is, I think that's the best, you know, this it's... You can be really complicit and ignorant, but you know, once you know the facts, it's it's quite shocking. Yes, without a doubt. So thank you, and we need we need you know people like you, Karina, um, who are you know giving a voice and a platform for this. We need we need everyone. That's part of our, our byline, like you know, gays against guns. We need everyone. Absolutely. And so to your to your you know listeners, just in terms of like stats, like here in the states, preparation for today's uh talk i just did some you know up-to-date research um and according to the gunviolencearchive.org uh, which is a reputable source that's there to date there have been twenty eight thousand three hundred eighty seven gun violence incidents there have been twenty five thousand injuries there have been 416 mass shootings if you go onto the site you see that there's a trend that they you know they uh, do a five-year spread and then you see that there is an a trend like in terms of mass shootings in terms of injuries up to date uh rather to date and so this is you know they say that 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 
that culture changes politics. And I, I just, I know that 90%, 95% of, of the nation wants background checks and believes in that. And that one, they want an end to gun violence uh, and safer gun laws. And, and that we just need to have like the right people in power to, to do this. So we can do, we do the groundwork, but we need, you know, the people in power to sort of make these things, to listen to the culture and to to respond. And they are there. Listen to the people. Yeah. yeah, listen to the people, exactly. And so in terms of like what people can do, there are many ways that like you don't have to be out in the streets or sort of doing, you know, the work that I'm doing or, or at that, that level. Folks can post an article on their on their socials. You know, I tell my students who um, are also interested in this that what we do is we feature honor lives lost by posting their picture and we have a caption about them. That's something people can do. And, and I, that resonates with your followers. So for those folks who have a lot of followers, if you, the same way in which you're going to post something about BLM and George Floyd, follow, you know, following that, it would be, you know, very, very helpful for, for folks to start posting about this, posting an article honoring a life that that has touched them. I mean, the stories are... That's a great idea. Yeah, and we can all do that. We can do that on Twitter. We can do that on TikTok. We can do that on Facebook, Instagram. You know, we can do that, you know, anywhere. And that that is important. If we all start talking about it more, then I think, you know, that would help. Yes. Well, John, thank you so much for giving us so much of your day today. Oh, my pleasure. I, I, I say this to every guest and I truly mean this. I honestly could keep talking to you. I just find it such an education and really insightful for someone who's lived in, I've lived in New York, I think 16 or 17 years. Oh, well, you're a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. And actually, you know what? I just got approved for my American citizenship. Yay. Congratulations. So, um, yes, I'm going to be really one of you guys. Oh, great. But Which is very exciting. But it's just the education for me has been such a, enormous enormous eye-opener so I, I want to today and just reading all about gays against guns so thank you John and like I, I really mean that if you've got things that are going on that we can help put in our, our social or write-up then just drop me a line and let us know and we'll always try and help you I think what oh, you're doing wow. is remarkable. that means a lot a lot, a lot to me so you, you have us in your corner okay that's that's great to know and and I do my neighbor so I have to yes yes exactly <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and when you're back in town, maybe, you know, we can meet up and, and say hello. For... I would love that. Once I get out of my quarantine, when I come back, exactly. I think that would be, exactly. that would be wonderful. Great. So... Thank you to our lovely audience for listening and tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. What a lovely, lovely guy. John, I look forward to coming around to your place for a cup of coffee soon. <laughs> Since you're my neighbour. Our next guest is a delightful fellow who last time I saw we were scoffing pizza in Francisco Costa's kitchen around about midnight. He's the co-founder of a really cool sustainable platform called Maison de Mode. Hassan Pierre co-founded this company with Amanda Hurst. They started with ethical, sustainable pop-ups, and this was back in 2012. So we speak to Hassan to catch up on where they are now in 2020. They certainly were ahead of the curve, that's for sure. Please have a listen to where the company is, what their expenditure is, where they want to grow, what they want to bring into the brand. It's really insightful. And it's, again, 
educational and learning about sustainability and the environment and eco, all things I need to learn more about. So tune in. Thank you for listening. Take care and be well. Bye-bye.